Well, hope. Hope is what carries us through hard times, isn't it? Uh, Last night I was at my extended family Christmas. Uh, Each year we get together at my auntie's place. Uh, The the kind of extended family on on mum's side come. Uh, She's one of seven kids. Uh, So each year it's kind of like, oh, there's the ones I know. Where do you fit in? And then there's a couple of boyfriends that are there for the first time, intimidated by this gathering. Uh, But the the good thing is, uh, for a Christmas time, uh, kind of get together and a meal, we uh, we actually have something in common. We've got we can instantly start talking about something because there's ten days to Christmas. Did you realise that there's ten days to Christmas today, and we're all stuck in the tunnel to some extent at this point. Uh, we're reaching reaching forward for that light at the end of the tunnel that is just out of reach for the moment. Now, for some of us, we're a bit anxious, and I wonder if that's you today, as you think, man, all this stuff I've got to get done. Uh, The projects at work, the Christmas presents that haven't been thought of, yet, let alone bought. Uh, What are we going to eat? The preparations for going on holiday and packing. How much is this all going to cost, and how are we going to handle that? Uh, Maybe for some of you, it's that family member that you'll be spending a bit of time with soon. Uh, But for the rest of us, we're relieved, aren't we? It's been a hard slog this year, uh, but finally we're getting towards the end. Kids are done with school, or just about. Work is fading out. You still have to turn up, but, you know, there's not much expectation that much is going to happen over the next little bit. Uh, Your lists are all in check, nicely ordered, tick, 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 everything that needs to get done, and you know exactly what you're having for Christmas dinner. Because the reality is, for most of us, we live in the tunnel, in the darkness, kind of just pushing through to the next point of light. I can handle this week. I can handle the stress and the busyness because I know that the weekend is just around the corner. I can handle this crazy term uh, because I know that the holidays are coming. I can handle an intense year because summer and Christmas and the beach, the holiday is coming. And, and that's how hope works. There's something great about it because the, the future, the future good thing that's coming is good enough to carry us through whatever life is throwing at us now. Everything's okay, not actually because it's okay, but because I know I will eventually get to where it's okay. But I want to ask, will our hope satisfy As we see that light at the end of the tunnel, will our hope satisfy? And that's the issue that Isaiah addresses in that passage that we had read for us. You see, for the previous eight chapters, Isaiah has been pulling back layer after layer what is wrong with this world. What is wrong with everything? He's showing us the depth of darkness. He's showing us our desperate need for hope. And then once we've stood there... He's going to show us the great and wonderful promise of hope to come that will carry us through. But in order to understand that hope, first we need to take hold of and grapple with the darkness, the dark reality. Just like a diamond can only be seen in its glory against a black cloth, well, this hope will be seen in its splendor 
against the backdrop of darkness. So Isaiah is a dark book. If we'd read from the beginning, you would see and you would feel the darkness build over the chapters, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. It's dark because Isaiah is trying to help us see things how they really are. Now, this is written in Isaiah's day more than two and a half thousand years ago, but he's actually got his finger on the pulse. What he's writing could be written about us right here today in Wellington. Here's some of the things that he notes uh, over the, the opening chapters. You people are more stupid than an ox. Flattering, really, isn't it? You're a brood of evildoers, given to corruption, rebellious, delighting in meaningless token gestures to hide detestable actions. Your hands are full of blood. You are unjust, ignoring the fatherless and the widow. Your rulers are rebels. They're in it only for themselves. Ouch. What do you feel as you hear that description of reality? Indignant? Or defensive? Just kind of raise your heckles? Do you get a little bit angry? But Isaiah continues and helps us to understand what is the cause of this reality. He says, because the darkness is actually part of you, as long as you keep looking for a solution from within, you'll never find it. You'll never be satisfied. Now, I wonder if this is why we have such a pessimistic view uh, of where things are heading. We're worried about the impact of plastic on our oceans, about the effect of non-renewable energy, about uh, global warming, pollution in streams, deforestations. We're worried, I think we're worried that this world's being run by people with a 10-year horizon or a 20-year horizon, but we care about the 40, the 50, the 60, the next generation, our kids, and our kids' kids. And we wonder, what are we going to leave our kids? And so we try, don't we? We try to stop using plastic, to use the renewable bags at the supermarket. But have we made any progress? Have we made any real progress? I want to suggest we haven't really made much progress at all. On one level, we have. Living standards are better. Global poverty ratings are in decline. Technology has lengthened lifespans, helps communication, transport. Uh, Depending on whether or not you use buses in Wellington, you probably agree. But where have we got to with global warming? We just watch one target after another kind of sail sail by. I, I wonder, do you trust... Do you trust our local government? Do you trust our national government to be making the right calls as we move forward on these issues? A few shaking heads. Do you trust them with the issues you care about? Today, with social media and instant messages connecting us in an unprecedented way to anyone anywhere in the world at any point in time, 
Why are we the most lonely we have ever been? Today, with all the improvements of lifestyle and recreation, why are we more stressed, more anxious, more depressed than we have ever been? What's with that? In the 12 months to June 2019, 685 Kiwis took their own lives. That's almost double the road toll. What a travesty. You see, we have a problem, don't we? And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't have a solution. We don't even know where to look for one. And what Isaiah is trying to show us is that the problem, it's actually in here. It's in our hearts. It's in our being. So even as we strive for better, we can't do it. Can you see that? You see, there's a sense in which we're not just trying to reach out for the light at the end of the tunnel. We're trying to build the light. And Isaiah is just pulling back the layers with what's wrong and saying, all of those problems, they're rooted here. We've thrown everything at it. We've looked everywhere and we've come up short. We've failed. So maybe... Just maybe, if we can concede that Isaiah is onto something here, it's worth looking at what he identifies as the underlying issue. Look with me at Isaiah uh, chapter 1 verse 2. Sorry, chapter 9 verse 2. No, sorry. Isaiah 1 verse 2. I was right the first time. Isaiah 1 verse 2, hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Ultimately, the problem we face, the struggle with life, the lack of satisfaction in what we look forward to, it's all rooted in that we have rejected God. We've rejected the God who made us, who nurtured us, who loves us. And so we're stuck in the darkness. And there's no real hope that will carry us through. Not a hope, anyway, not a hope that will satisfy us. For Isaiah's original audience, the nation of Israel, Assyria, the superpower of the day, is coming. Like a flood, they will sweep in and destroy everything. And just like in Isaiah's day, we don't just face the daily reality of struggle. One day, we will face judgment. That's depressing, isn't it? You thought, let's go to a Christmas carol service. It'll be nice. We'll sing some good carols. Hope promised. That sounds good. I wonder, were you expecting, I don't know, a little more hope? But as we come to our next point, we'll see how Isaiah turns and he points to the promise of a great hope, a hope that will carry us through the darkness, a hope that will truly satisfy. 
Now, the image we turn to is one of the most significant images in the Bible. It's one of light. A a, a light not like this small one next to me, but of a great light. But especially if we see this light in the right context, held against that backdrop of darkness that we've just seen, just like the diamond we talked about earlier against the the black cloth, then in this image we see the promise of hope. Hope that makes any diamond pale into insignificance. Uh, Look with me at Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, we've already seen the dark reality that Isaiah is talking about here. Now, that, that darkness is lifted. A great light comes into view. Now, there's something phenomenal about watching a sunrise, isn't it? I haven't got up recently for one. I used to get up and go out and find somewhere really nice, and you sit on a beach and take photos of the transformation as kind of this black, shadowy reality. There's no detail. But as the sun comes up, color fills your view. You can see detail. You can see vibrancy. Life comes into, you know, birds, they start swooping uh, and, and fishing and, and just life seems to wake up. But the most beautiful thing about this light here in Isaiah is the most obvious. It's the opposite of darkness. Where there's light, there is no darkness. And this is the hope that Isaiah promises, that the darkness, the messiness, the brokenness of life, of us, of me, of you, it'll be beaten. This is the hope of the Christian message. The problem of darkness comes from inside. Try as we might, we can't beat it. But the solution, the solution comes from outside. It comes from God. Just as the light comes from outside of the darkness, it comes from a great and glorious God, a God who spoke. And not just our son, but every son of every solar system was created. This is astonishing. Because if we can enter into, if we can share the same view of ourselves that Isaiah does. Now, I do get it, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Because I think I'm okay. We kind of get through life because we think that we're nice enough to get along with. Uh, Bethany, our little girl, is beginning to develop, um, I think we'll call them strong preferences. Uh, The latest thing is she just helps herself to food. She can climb up on the couch and then just grab fruit out of the fruit bowl. Or she opens up the cupboard and grabs cereal. Um, now, the thing is, it's actually quite hard to discipline her because she's cute, right? I mean, look at her. And we can think the same thing about us, can't we? I'm cute. I don't really deserve punishment because I'm kind of okay. Okay. But Isaiah wants us to really see ourselves. 
And that's what makes the promise of hope so astounding. As God moves, he moves to deal with the problems we've created. He offers hope. And unlike any hope that we've worked out, any temporary or fleeting or kind of half-broken hope, this one will truly satisfy. This isn't just a light at the end of the tunnel. This will light the whole tunnel. And as we keep reading through the verses in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah starts to color in the picture of what this hope is. In verse 2, light dawns and replaces darkness. In verse 3, joy overflows. In verses 4 and 5, the fear of defeat is removed and war gives way to peace. And then, in verse 6 and 7, well, come with me and we'll read them together. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, here we meet the central character of hope. A baby. Not a better strategy, vision, or plan. Not better leaders or more effective working groups or a better coalition government. Not a vast military force. A child is born. A son is given. Born because he's a man. He's totally human. Given because he is God. Look further down at verse 6. He is mighty God. He is the mighty man God. A royal baby in the line of kings that stretch back to the greatest king Israel has ever known. King David. A king with a heart after God's own heart. Why is that significant? It's significant because God made a promise to David. He made a promise to say, from your line... A king will be born who will rule forever. A king who will deal with sin forever. And that's the son right here in Isaiah 9. Can you see? The hero of the story, it's not us. It was never going to be us. It is God. Because it's God who has promised hope. He's turned on the light to defeat darkness. And so we wait We wait with bated breath, waiting for this child to appear. And 700 years later, a child is born. And just as Isaiah said, he is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, because he is God in the fullest, not in some figurative, metaphorical, or symbolic sense. Come with me over to Luke chapter 1. See, Luke is one of the biographies, one of the records of Jesus' life. 
of the, this child's life. Luke is a doctor, he's precise and analytical, maybe a little bit like me, I'm an engineer, uh, deeply concerned with accuracy. This guy Luke deals with life and death every day. And yet as he writes the first chapter of this biography, he can't help but to break into song. He wants to show us that how overwhelmingly joyous these events are. And as Rachel read, I wonder if you picked up uh, on the language that, uh, that Luke is borrowing from Isaiah. Verse 68, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has come to His people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Here it is, David. Verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This child, this child who will be called God with us is Jesus, the God child. He's at the center of the hope that is promised. He's the one who will deal with the darkness and banish it. He will go on to bear the weight of the sin of the world. This is extraordinary, can you see? Because this promise of hope is for us. Remember those words? To us a child is born. To us a son is given. So what does all this mean? Firstly, this hope produces joy. Can you see how significant this promise of hope is? How amazing this child is? And the joy that overflows from him. This is one of the things I love about being part of City on a Hill. Because God has gathered a group of people that are joyful, that are joyful Not because life is going great, because it isn't always, but because of the hope that we share together. You'd think that gathering a bunch of people who have grappled with the darkness we thought about earlier, you'd think that'd be quite a downcast bunch, right? But not if we've seen this amazing promise of hope that comes not from us, but from God that cuts through darkness, that deals with the broken reality around us, that deals with our mess. It's so good to be part of a joyful people. Secondly, what do we make of this child? If this amazing child was really born, if he really is wonderful counselor, mighty God, if he really is God with us, if he really has dealt with sin for all those who trust him, if he really has come from outside of us to deal with the darkness within, then how are you going to respond to him? You know, maybe today is the first time you've really seen him clearly. Maybe there's more you need to explore about him, about the Christian message in life. 
well, we'd love for you to come and journey with us. Why don't you come back next Sunday as we look at what happens as this hope isn't just promised but arrives. Because each week we're here, hearing about Jesus, working out what it means to follow him, letting this light in and letting it change us. Will you join us? Because I think it would be a travesty to leave here today having sung a couple of carols, having eaten some Christmas pies outside, drunk a coffee or two, but actually to walk straight past, to walk straight past the hope, this promise of hope that will really satisfy and to stay in the dark. You know, kind of walking on, holding out for relief, for the reward, for the hope that never delivers. Will you join us? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this hope this hope of the Lord Jesus Christ who will free us from sin. We thank you for this promise of hope that will deal with darkness, that will help us carry on through whatever life satisfies, knowing that at the end, you have it in control. You have dealt with what we could never do. Despite our brokenness and our mess, you offer freedom from that. You offer life and hope in the Lord Jesus. You offer the chance to be and experience the joy of following you and knowing you. Father, thank you for making us into a joyful people as we've seen clearly both the darkness that we dwell in and recognize it for what it is, but the beautiful reality of that hope you've promised in the Lord Jesus. Amen.